morning, church family. Give that praise and worship team a hand clap this morning. It is so good to be with you. Let me make sure my mic is on here. It is an absolute joy to be with you this morning. Uh, this is really my favorite time of the year. Those of you who have heard me speak uh, this year about this season know that Christmas is the, the, the time that I enjoy the most. Of, of all the great times of the year, this would be my favorite. But there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure this time of year uh, to, to make your house look just right, for the gifts under the tree to look just right, for those gifts that are under the tree to be just the right gift. Some of you feel this pressure. Uh, my bride and my kiddos are at home this morning. They're not feeling well. My, my youngest is not feeling well. And so instead of getting ready to come to church this morning, my bride was like looking up Christmas gifts that she felt like would be the perfect kinds of gifts. I'm like, babe, I, I got to get rocking and rolling. You know, this is, this is important, but I got to go to church, right? Uh, so I was, I was studying this week for this sermon. And came across a couple of news articles that I wanted to share with you. Uh, last week, uh, in Louisiana, a company called St. John's Properties, which is based out of Maryland, owns some commercial real estate. The company's been ex- in existence for about 15 years. And this year, they gave the gift of Christmas bonuses to their employees. This is excellent. Uh, they gave $10 million dollars to 198 employees based on years of service, not position in the company, not value added to the company, but years of service. And some people that work for this company got up to $50,000 of Christmas bonuses. What an awesome, awesome gift. That got me interested in the idea of Christmas bonuses. This is what Preachers do late at night when we're studying for sermons. We just get fixated on an idea. and Man, we just chase the rabbit. And now four or five hours has gone by and I have no idea even where I am or what day it is. All right? So I'll spare you a lot of that research, but I do want to share another article that I read in 2015. Hillcorp, a Houston, Texas-based energy company, gave an even bigger Christmas bonus a few years ago to its employees They decided that everybody that worked for the company should get $100,000 for their year-end Christmas bonus. Now, that's a really cool gift, right? Uh, The Washita Christian School football team brought a really cool gift back to northeast Louisiana from New Orleans, the high school state football championship trophy. Let's give another round of applause. The Weatherfords, the Harrell family, so many of our families are involved in that. A lot of pressure to give the perfect gift, right, this time of year. You guys have thought about that. I want to say, church family, the greatest gift ever given, the best Christmas bonus, the original champion of of champions, is the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I want to, I want to give you Luke chapter 2 this morning. This is one of my favorite Christmas passages. It's been on my heart for weeks. The Bible records in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 that there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Sometimes being in the presence of God is terrifying. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news which will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, 
a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, you've heard these words before, I hope, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Ladies and gentlemen, the gift of Jesus, Jesus' presence in the world, his mission here on earth brings joy to the entire world. Our Lord Jesus came into the earth as a precious, innocent baby to live out the mission that God the Father had called him to. In Jesus, we find real life, true, authentic, satisfying life, the greatest gift ever given. And the life we find in the Lord Jesus Christ is like a light that has come into a dark and dying world. And the light that is the Messiah, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is a light for all mankind. Every nation, every tribe, every, tr- every tongue, every man, every woman, and every child can experience the light and life of the Messiah. When you're in a dark season in life, the light of Jesus, the Messiah, can guide you out. If you're living through a long, desperate night, the light of Jesus can break through and put an end to your struggle. Amen? And Jesus' arrival doesn't just put an end to struggle and leave it at that. Jesus replaces your struggle and your doubt and your fear and your brokenness with real, true, authentic satisfying joy, and this joy is available to all mankind. What a great and beautiful gift. This gift brings joy to every person struggling with depression, to every person who's lost a loved one. This this gift of the Messiah brings joy. To every person struggling in the midst of a financial crisis or battling an illness of any type, Jesus can bring joy to you. For all people in all circumstances, the gift of Jesus Christ the Lord can and does bring true, authentic joy. And while Jesus' arrival means joy for all mankind... For Jesus, it meant meant the beginning of a mission filled with challenge. And among those challenges, Jesus would face extreme temptation. Friend, temptation is all around us. No doubt this week you've been tempted. Commercial, after advertisement, after social media post, after coupon, book, tempt you to purchase certain items for your loved ones. For Christmas, you've been tempted. And temptations aren't unique to this time of year. Life is absolutely full of temptation. You and I are tempted whenever something outside or within us promotes a desire within us to experience a particular thing, especially if that thing is wrong or unwise. The life of Jesus was no different. 
Scripture records that Jesus was in all ways tempted just as you and I are. Yet despite those temptations, Jesus never took the easy way out. He never gave in. He never gave up. And he never made the wrong choice. The difference in Jesus from us is that when Jesus faced temptation, he won every single time. Last week I spoke briefly about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And Matthew 4 records that story. I'd like you to turn there with me. I'm going to review this briefly. In Matthew chapter 4, the Lord Jesus has fasted 40 days and 40 nights in verse 2. And he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first temptation of Jesus directly recorded in Scripture is an appeal to Jesus' flesh. If you have oxygen in your lungs and blood running through your veins, you've experienced the temptation of your flesh. In our culture, we call that hedonism or the pursuit of physical pleasure. And Jesus experienced the temptation specifically tailored to promote his seeking of physical pleasure above all else. When we seek physical pleasure, when we tend to value the temporary over the eternal, we find ourselves immersed and wrapped up in sin. But Jesus doesn't. Not even for one moment does Jesus consider giving in to the desires of his flesh, but he immediately responds to the tempter with the word of God, by the power of God, and remains in the will of God. What an example he sets for all of us. Later on in Matthew, starting in verse 5, still in chapter 4, the devil then takes him from the holy city. And has him stand on the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, God will give his angels charge over you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a, st- against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The second temptation of Jesus is centered around his ego. Have you ever wanted validation for something? Have you ever sought approval or affirmation for some quality you have or for something you've achieved in life, a skill that you've developed over time? Doesn't it feel good for people to acknowledge how good and great and mighty and powerful you are? If we were being honest with each other today, we'd all acknowledge that does feel good. That's about our ego, ladies and gentlemen, and most of us, are willing to do just about anything for that kind of recognition or validation. But not Jesus. He remained humble, sinless, and obedient, even when his ego was put to the harshest of tests. The last temptation Jesus faced in Matthew 4 was material. Bible records in Matthew 4, 8, again, the devil takes him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, the enemy said, if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Think about that for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Could you use a $50,000 Christmas bonus? All right, let's take it another step. Could you use a $100,000 Christmas bonus? Come on, somebody. Think about what you could do with a million or a billion or even a trillion. Can you imagine that? Dollars. Now, you're good people. I know the first thing you do is run to the Salvation Army, give half of it away, pay off the debt for most of the people in our community. I know you would. You're good people. I believe that. What would you be willing to do if I told you that your every material desire could come true? So often we're willing to compromise our values and beliefs, what we might call true, for a lie. We're willing to sacrifice all too quickly the eternal for the temporary or the material. We're willing to sacrifice our forever for a fleeting pleasure right now. But not Jesus. His eyes are always on the Father. He is always about the Father's business. And He is always doing the Father's will. The Scriptures foretell that the Messiah will experience temptation. But it's not this temptation that the Scriptures foretell the Messiah experiencing. The Scriptures foretell of an even greater season of temptation for the true Messiah, and they also foretell of an even greater triumph for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one of God, would face a moment where heaven and earth would collide. When time, as you and I know it, would literally hang In the balance and the temporal and the temporary along with the transcendent would be placed upon his shoulders. This is the moment when our Lord Jesus faced the cross, death, and the realm of the dead. And it's foretold in Psalm 16. I've got this on screen. If you're following along in the app, it appears on the church app. And if you've got your Bible, you'll have to switch back and forth. Between Old and New Testament, let me give you Psalm 16, starting in verse 9. This is a psalm of David, and he's writing here in verse 9, and the Lord, speaking through David, says these words, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In this psalm, it is as though Jesus Christ himself is speaking about the moment of his greatest temptation. And what Jesus knows is true is that he will find security, fellowship, Victory and joy in God the Father. Even in the midst of great temptation, ladies and gentlemen, our Lord Jesus Christ can rest secure. He knows that no temptation, not even the greatest temptation he'll ever face, staring at the cross 
has an uncertain outcome. In the Lord, he can rest assured that God is the author of his future. In the Lord, he can be certain that through trial and tribulation, his Father is near. Always present, always pursuing, always offering fellowship. God never abandons His Messiah, and Jesus is confident in that. And Jesus knows that in God, victory is certain. He'll never be defeated. He will never be beaten. He will never be conquered. He will never overcome. The name of the Lord is victory. The character of the Lord is victory. God is the conquering King. And God will provide victory for Jesus over the cross, over death, and from the realm of the dead itself. Since death doesn't even stand a chance against Almighty God, Jesus can rejoice. Every single battle, every temptation, every trial, every moment of struggle for the Lord Jesus Christ is an opportunity to bring glory to the victorious champion, God, His Father. That's cause for rejoice. Nothing in life can defeat Jesus. Nothing in life can hold Him down. Nothing in life can conquer Him. So Jesus finds eternal pleasure at the right hand of God. And this is cause for great joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is this message that overwhelmed overwhelmed Jesus' followers. They simply could not help themselves at the realization that the cross and death and the realm of the dead itself could not gain victory over their Lord and Savior. And so they couldn't help themselves but tell everybody and anybody who would listen that Jesus Christ is the foretold and anticipated Messiah. And if you were to read the book of Acts, this is not only the subject of every sermon preached in the early church. It's the subject of the first sermon ever preached. Let me give you this text from Acts chapter 2. Peter, disciple of Jesus, follower of the Lord, is speaking. And he's speaking to a large group of people and he is overwhelmed by the power of God demonstrated in Christ Jesus the Son. And Peter's mind is drawn to Psalm 16. And he references David writing the psalm. And and in verse 31 he says, David, seeing what was to come, he actually spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. That he was not abandoned to the realm of, of the dead. And that his body did not see decay. And that God the Father raised Jesus to life. And Peter says, we're all witnesses of it. We have literally seen it with our own two eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, the scriptures are an eyewitness account. They record a story that men saw with their own eyes come to pass. And Peter records that exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. 
For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Peter goes on to say, let all Israel be assured of this. This is great news, church family. That God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus was with God from the beginning. Jesus was with God at this moment. He's still with God and he reigns with God on high even now. Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. And the message of the triumph of the Messiah so transformed the hearts of those who heard this message that their heart was literally cut. And they said to Peter, what, what do we have to do to be saved? How can we experience the same victory, the same triumph, the same transformation? And Peter says very plainly to him, and I want to say this to you and to every group throughout the spans of time. Repent in the name of Jesus and be baptized. Your sins will be forgiven and you can receive the Holy Spirit. And the same triumph that Jesus had can be your triumph in every trial, tribulation, and temptation by the grace and mercy and power of the Lord. Hallelujah. This Christmas season, I hope you are on the receiving end of some really incredible things, ladies and gentlemen. As your preacher, you're on my mind a lot, and I'm praying for you constantly and asking God to bless and guide and convict when He needs to. And I've been praying that you just receive some incredible stuff, some, some thoughts that came to my mind as I was thinking about you, as I hope... You get more gifts this Christmas season than you know what to do with. Amen? I hope it is just such a lavish Christmas. you got more than you can handle. I hope that you get exceedingly abundantly above every single thing that is on your Christmas list. I do. I hope you get to spend time with your loved ones. I hope relationships with family are strengthened. And that you build some meaningful memories that can last a whole lifetime. But ladies and gentlemen, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, none of that really matters. If you have not been born again of water and of the Spirit, then you can gain the whole world and get more gifts than you know what to do with and build the best memories with your favorite family members that you can even imagine. And it would all be for nothing if you haven't repented and been baptized and experienced salvation in Jesus Christ. I want the message of Jesus' triumph over the cross, death, and the realm of the dead to inspire you this morning. I want it to inspire you to surrender, to be baptized, and to receive the gift of the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want you to walk with the Lord. Listen to me, church family. Every single day for the rest of your life. If you haven't experienced that. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And receive the true gift and meaning of Christmas today. The triumph of the Messiah 
moved people to ask, what do we have to do? They were admonished to repent and be baptized. But the triumph of the Messiah for those of us who are in Christ Jesus grants us the same security, the same fellowship, the same victory, and the same joy afforded to Jesus in the moment of his greatest temptation. You and I can have that as well. Once you've been born again, you'll find security in God the Father. The greatest temptations you face will no longer have an uncertain outcome. In the Lord, you can rest assured that He is in control and He is writing your story along His narrative for you. And that's the best way for your story to be written. You'll find fellowship with God through Christ the Son. Through trial and tribulation, you'll realize, and those of you who have been born again even do realize now, that the Lord is near to you in the midst of trial and temptation. You found Him to be an ever-present help in times of struggle. And let me remind you what ever-present means. That means present all the time. God is constantly pursuing His children. He's constantly present with His children. He's constantly offering fellowship and never abandons His children the same way He never abandons the Messiah. And so you can find victory in Him. God will never be defeated. He will never be beaten. He will never be conquered. He will never be overcome. As I said before, the Lord God is victory. Not even death stands a chance against Almighty God. And when you live in the security of the Lord, in the fellowship with the Lord, and in the victory of the Lord, then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Then you find that there's a song in your heart, even in the moments of your greatest temptation and trial. And you begin to look at every struggle as an opportunity to surrender your life and your will to God, thereby glorifying and honoring Him with your life and experiencing the joy that comes from knowing you're a reflection for His might and majesty. You won't find this kind of joy, ladies and gentlemen, in a gift under your tree Or in a meal that you share with family, and those are very beautiful, joy-inducing things. You won't find this joy anywhere other than in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ the Son. I hope you'll keep seeking Him. I hope you'll keep searching wholeheartedly for Him. If you will, He promises that you'll find Him. And when you find Him, you'll find true, satisfying joy. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, when we overcome temptation by the power of the Spirit, we are literally taking a step from death to life. Some of you have been beat up. Some of you have lived through hardship, after struggle, after difficulty, after trial. And it's hard to keep going. And I want to remind you that every time you climb the mountain, every time you resist temptation and seek solitude and security in God the Father, you are literally taking a step from death to life. 
You literally stop living in this world for that moment and find yourself living in the world that you, quite frankly, were designed for. This season and every season, I want to ask you a question. Will you travel down the wide path that leads to destruction? Will you place more value on the temporary, the artificial and the circumstantial, or on things that will decay and ultimately lead to death? Or will you travel down the narrow way that leads to life? Will you step away from death, decay, and destruction that this world has to offer? And will you step towards life everlasting? Jesus always walked towards life, ladies and gentlemen. And following Him means overcoming temptation as He did. Following Him means walking the narrow path towards an abundant life. This has been the experience of everyone who has truly followed Jesus. They become untangled from the temporary dying world in which we live physically and completely entangled in the eternal realm of the Spirit where we experience life everlasting. Each time Jesus' followers are victorious over temptation by the Spirit's power, the angels of heaven themselves sing. They rejoice because a sinner has stepped towards life and been granted another opportunity to truly live. The greatest gift given in the history of the world, ladies and gentlemen, is the Messiah. And King Jesus comes with a lasting benefit. And don't all great gifts? One of the best gifts I've ever been given, let me get personal with you, is on my keychain, and I meant to bring my keys up here and I didn't. It's the coordinates of the location of the first time I kissed my bride, Kirsten. And it is sweet. It is sweet. I just want you to know that. And the kiss was pretty sweet, too, if I might say so myself. (laughs) That also happens to be the location that I proposed to Kirsten in. And every time I see that on my keychain, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged because God granted me, in her, a beautiful, loyal, committed spouse to follow me all over the world, even to northeast Louisiana. (laughs) But the greatest gift of all time with the greatest lasting benefits is Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Him we get two. We get a new life here on this earth, And an everlasting life when we reach the other side. And that's a guarantee. And you can count on that. Church family, today I want you to let the triumph of the Messiah over the cross, death, and the realm of the dead be an encouragement to you. And make a difference in your life that really lasts. If you've never fully surrendered, I challenge you this morning. Be born again. Live in victory. And be confident, finally, of what your future holds. In Christ Jesus, that's an eternity in heaven with Him. If if you've never surrendered to the Lord, today is the perfect opportunity to do that. If you're carrying a burden that you need to lay down, if you've got a need you need to bring before Him, I'm going to close 
And after I pray, whatever it is, bring your heart to the Father and let Him help you fully realize the true meaning of Christmas. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you humble and awestruck at your majesty, at your grace and at your mercy, at the love you showed to us by sending us Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to free us from sin and adopt us into your family. God, let that message never grow old. Let us never get so saturated with that truth that we become familiar with it. And if any here have not fully surrendered to you, God, I pray that today is the day of their salvation. God, I ask that any who are carrying heavy burdens or have any other need would bring their heart to you and let them experience the greatest gift ever given, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.